bad air con. As we wonder what's going to happen, where are we going? Perhaps you've already started about thinking about Christmas and what's coming up, and so you, you're anticipating it. You're, your lists are getting filled up, what you need to do to, to buy presents for people, or perhaps you're one of those who have already bought all your presents. But you know that what is starting to happen when you enter into stores, when you get in your car, when you're walking down the streets, is you begin to hear the music of Christmas. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm not from here. And uh, we have a holiday called Thanksgiving in the States. And in my house, uh, because my wife desires this, we're not allowed to listen to Christmas music until after Thanksgiving. Now, her birthday is the 5th of December. That is, her birthday is the 5th of December. And if you... Uh, if she had her way, we wouldn't listen to Christmas music until after that, really. And my son's birthday is the 10th of December, and we could push it even that far out. But when we finally get to listen to Christmas music, there's lots of songs that we like and we anticipate. There, there's lots of music that we long to hear. There's, there's a particular albums that we want to hear. All of those, there's an artist named Sufjan Stevens who's done multiple Christmas albums that we, we love to listen to. The Brilliance is a great band, and they have a, a brand new album or an album that we've just discovered that's come out that's going to be great to listen to. And as I was kind of thinking about Christmas music and what we like to listen to, it's funny that one of the number one Christmas songs, one of the number one Christmas songs is a song that was written in 1984. And it's played all over the place. It has so many different renditions of it that are out there. People have made cover after cover of this song, this Christmas song written in 1984. It's written by a duo from England. One of them grew up here for a little while. It's a song titled Last Christmas by Wham. Now you can go listen to it. You can go find it. Now, here's the amazing thing about this Christmas song. When, when you think of Christmas songs, you think joy, holiday, right? Some of you have the earwig now. Sorry, Penny. <laughs> Stuck in your head. The chorus goes like this. Last Christmas, I gave you my heart. The very next day, you threw it away. This year, I'll save me some tears and give it to someone special. How is that Christmas? How is that one of the most popular Christmas songs? It's all about giving ourselves to somebody who the very next day throws it away. And we've lived the whole year thinking about that pain. But this Christmas, I'm going to give my heart to somebody else. Now, the verses of this song tell us why they felt like they should give their heart to this person and how this person just destroys them. Merry Christmas. 
And yet I guarantee today, if you happen to walk into any shopping center, you will hear either the Muzak version or Wham's version or Taylor Swift's version or Ariana Grande's version or the Baroque choir version. There is all sorts of versions playing over the loudspeakers. And you'll think to yourself, it's Christmas. Now the reality, I think, is that it hits something about Christmas for us. That as we enter into this season, there are places where we're anticipating joy. We're hoping for goodness. We're looking at the best in humanity. But then, but then we think about our lives or we look around to those around us and we see brokenness and we see darkness and we see places of hopelessness. Whether it's on a, a big gigantic global scale, like all of a sudden things are kind of breaking loose here in Australia. We're beginning to see borders open. Omicron, Omicron, Omicron. And everybody gets nervous. And everybody thinks, oh really? There's a new variant and we're gonna have to see what happens now? Maybe in your life you've been walking along and all of a sudden it, it breaks down. There's a relationship that hurts and there's a relationship that even stops and you think, how, how can this Christmas be anything special? That there's pain that infiltrates our joy. There's places of despair that break into our hope. And, and so it's kind of obvious why this song about my heart being broken and this year I'm hoping to give it to somebody who will actually take care of it resonates with us in some way as we move towards Christmas. It's because we're not fooling anybody to think that our lives are perfect. That there's places of brokenness. Now, John, as he begins to write his gospel, the, the telling of the life of Jesus, from John's perspective, God inspired, God speaking through John, but John recollecting what it was like to walk and live with Jesus. He starts with this beautiful 14 verses. They weren't verses when he originally wrote them, but we've broken them down into 14 verses. That's handy for me because it gives me places to break so that as we preach through the Advent season over these 14 verses, I know where we can stop. And where we'll pick up. He brings out this beautiful prologue about who Jesus is. And he's writing to a group of people who are longing for something to hope in. That they've been anticipating over and over the Messiah to come. They've been looking out for it. Waiting for it to come. And many of them are living in a land that is occupied. Many of them are living in a land where they are not free, where they feel put down upon, where they have to make sure they tick the right boxes so as not to get in trouble with those who are higher above them. They're living with despair. They're living because they thought Messiah had come and maybe he hasn't. Last Christmas, I gave you my heart, right? There's despair. But John is going to tell us who Jesus is. And in this very first five verses, he lets us know that yes, while it might look bleak, yes, while there might be darkness, hear me, the darkness does not overcome. He's writing to a group of people who need hope. We are those people as well who need hope. This is the Sunday 
of hope in Advent. And we hear the words of hope in this passage. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Right off the bat, John is letting us know this Jesus, this one who has come, is not just human. He is 100% that, but he is also 100% God. That he is the one who is above all things. That he is high and lifted up. That he is majestic and mighty. That he is all truth, all power, all love, all hope, all mercy, all justice. That in the beginning, before the foundation of the world, was Jesus and God together. It's very Trinitarian. It's very much bringing in this great community that is the God that we worship and serve and who pursues us. That in the beginning was this word coming in, breaking in, and saying, I am here. And we see the power of this word. Why? Because not only is he God, he is the agent of all creation. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing that has been made was made. Now that's amazing for those who are needing hope to hear. Because as we know that Jesus is the one that is the agent of creation, if he's the agent of creation, if he's the one who's inspired it, who's breathed it into existence, who's spoken it into reality, then he is the one who can control it. He is over and above it. The one who has dominion to carry forth in it. So when it begins to break down, it is only Jesus who is the word of God, who was with God from the beginning and is in fact God, that has the power and the authority to come and make it right. It's only that Jesus that has the ability to say, I've made it, I know the way that it's supposed to be, and I will get it back to that place. That's the great thing about Advent for us. Even though sometimes, 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 Advent seems very solemn. Right? Very slow. It can seem very dark. Because we're in this in-between. Because we're in the now and not yet. Because we're in this place of going, it's broken, I want it to be made the way that it was supposed to be. And we hear John saying about this Jesus, the one who was with God and is God, the one who is the creator of all things, that there's nothing that's been made that he did not ordain and create, that he's the one who says, I will make things new as they were meant to be. That I'm not taking something that's broken and doing away with it. I'm grabbing hold of its brokenness. I'm repairing it and remaking it. I'm bringing new life to it so that it can return to what its original purpose was for. So while this world might be broken, God is working through Christ to make it new again. That where my life has fallen, where I have sat on the throne of my heart and caused irreparable damage to relationships, God says, I will move to repair them. You might not see it today. You might not see it till the end. But I will make all things new. And I have the authority to do it because I made it the first time. I'm the creator of all these things. And then he says, even more than that, 
So, so I'm not only is this that Jesus is the God who is with God, the word that was with God and God, not only is Jesus the one who holds creation because he created creation and knows creation and is remaking creation, he is also life. That in Christ, full life is known. Isn't there a video game or something called Half-Life at some point that was out there? I don't know, that just popped into my head. I have no idea what it's about. But I think sometimes we live half-lives. We're not fully embracing all of the life that we can have because we forget the source of life. And John is saying to us, he is life. He gives and breathes, and in him we have our being, our very essence, all of who we are. Not only is he life, that life then shines light to all men. That light comes out and shines into the darkness. It says, I see the brokenness. I see the places that need to be repaired. I understand the things that need to be seen. As I have gotten older, my eyes have gotten worse. They continue to get worse as I continue to get older. They also get worse because the sun is very bright here in Australia, and I walk around squinting all the time. And so that hurts my eyes as well. No, I have glasses so that I can see. But there are some times that even with my glasses, as I'm trying to read something, if the lights are just a little low, I have a hard time seeing it. Not because I can't see the page, because it's very clear, but some reason I don't have enough light reflecting off the page back into my eyes so that I can actually catch the words. And so I have to get out my flashlight that's on my phone and shine it on the piece of paper. It's terrible. It's mostly in restaurants. So that I can actually read the words. Again, if he is life, he is light. And we need that light to be able to see where we are going, the way he has designed us to live. We need his light in order for us to move into the life that he has given to us. We need that light so that we no longer see dimly, but we see brightly the majesty that Jesus is and how he has made us in his image to be magnificent reflections of him. And in that place then, we know that there is darkness. Here's the thing about Advent. We are looking to the light. And because we are looking to the light, we're able to see the spaces in between and outside of the light that are darkness. We begin to recognize the darkness even more because we are looking at the light. That as we see the light growing brighter and brighter, the darkness actually that is around it becomes starker and starker. 
So for those who are walking in Jesus, it shouldn't surprise us when we begin to see things getting worse and worse. Not because the world is just going to hell in a handbasket. It's because the glory of God is becoming so bright for us that we see the little things that we used to not recognize as darkness. Those little places in our hearts that would come in and creep in and take away life. Those places of teeny selfishness and small arrogance and little itty bitty selfishness. They become starker to us in the darkness because God's light becomes brighter and brighter to us. But here's the promise that we have. That this light, that is life, that gives us who we are supposed to be, who returns us to how we were created to be, who lets us walk with the God who is for us in Jesus, that that light is not ever, can never be, will always conquer darkness. It will never be overcome by it. It's a really interesting Greek word. Greek was the language that this was written in. And it holds a couple of different meanings. One is overcome. That's what we have in this particular translation, overcome. That it can't grasp hold of it and subdue it. That's awesome for us. Right? That because Jesus is life and that life is light for us, that it cannot be overcome. It cannot be subdued by the darkness. That whatever we're facing, yes, it will crush us, but it cannot overcome us. Oh, I know that doesn't feel right. (laughs) I know that there are places in our own hearts where that does not feel like that is truth. So let's go to another meaning of the word. It can also mean comprehend. That the light shines in the darkness and the darkness does not comprehend it. Does not take hold of it. Meaning both intellectually and physically. It can't grasp it and accept it. And it also cannot understand it. That darkness doesn't get light. That darkness when it sees light doesn't understand it. Says I don't even know what this light is about. What is this thing? It makes no sense to me. And sometimes in our life, that darkness is shining so brightly that it causes our own hearts to not be able to comprehend the light. However, Jesus says, my life is that light that is comprehended by those who are light. And the darkness might not be able to grab a hold of it. So let me move that darkness out of your life. Look to the light. I've told you that I have a friend that has said that he has a relationship with God, that he feels like he is in a dark room with the lights off and he's begging God to turn the lights on and God just won't turn the lights on. And finally I said, have you opened your eyes? Because maybe the lights are on, but you're just having your eyes shut to see. So 
sometimes it's not us who are shutting our eyes. Sometimes it's circumstances. Sometimes it's other folks that have their hands over our eyes. Sometimes it's situations that we're walking through that have kept our eyes shut. But know this, that Jesus is the life that is the light that is easily comprehended if we open our eyes. And we need one another during this season to be able to say, something is covering your eyes. Can I walk with you and help you see those things? With not platitudes, because platitudes, they're just as good as a song that gets remade over and over and over again. But with life on life, living together to walk in the places. Because here's the thing. We have to recognize the darkness to see the beauty of the light. And in recognizing the darkness, there's a place of mourning in that. A place of grief. A place of anticipation. And a place of hope. When we see the darkness that is around us, that we know by the promise of God, because Jesus is the light that is life to all men, and that light shines in the darkness, and it's not overcome, it's not comprehended, it is not taken hold of, we know then that there is a place to grieve. There is a place for us to cry out and say, it's not the way it's supposed to be. It's not the way you created it to be. It's a place for us to mourn, a place for us to lament, to say, I wish things were not this way. To even cry. Have you thought about crying at Christmas? Because it's in that place that as the darkness becomes starker, the light becomes brighter. And we're able then to walk into that place. We're <laughs> it's hard. But hopefully as we walk through Advent together, we will be able to see in this prologue that is telling us about this Jesus who has come to a, a people who are in despair. That he is hope because he is light and life. He is hope because he is God creator. He is hope because he is remaking things as they should be. He is hope for you and me. Let me pray. Jesus, it's in your name we pray these things. We ask that if they're not from you, that they will burn up and go away. But if they are from you, that they will take root in our hearts. Father, we ask that you will receive glory and honor today in these. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Let's stand and sing.